Good morning, church. Man, it feels good to be back home. Uh, we had a fruitful trip out in, uh, in the U.S., in New York, uh, with the network, Ethnos Network. Uh, it was just awesome, just phenomenal, and uh, just hung around leaders from all over the world, Brazil, Argentina, uh, Portugal, South Korea, I mean, some random places, you know. Uh, people came out, and it was just awesome to connect with them. And the one common thing uh, being Jesus, and that Jesus is Lord. Amen. Amen. And, uh, you know, I must say, you know, there was an unction, uh, particularly uh, with me and a few other leaders, to plant a faithful church, uh, particularly in New York. Yeah. Uh, and uh, this is uh, simply because of uh, some of the things we encountered. There's a lot of uh, confusion in that city. Uh, either people are materialistic or they're humanistic, you know, so they take extremes, either everything is about money and, you know, getting as much as you can for yourself so you can just get ahead in life, or it's about, you know, trying to solve uh, complex ideologies, complex issues that we are faced with, with uh, humanistic tactics, especially in the church, which is a sad uh, reality. The only solution we have as the church uh, to solve uh, the problems that plague our world is the gospel. The Apostle Paul said in Romans 1.17, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it, the gospel, is the power of God. The power of God is released when we preach the gospel. The power of God is released when we preach the good news, not when we do protests. Hallelujah! Hashtag Black Lives Matter. Okay, moving right along. Uh, the gospel does not know any color. It does not know whether you're red, you're black, you're blue, or you're purple. Uh, there's a scripture we read in the first service that said, all nations gathered under God uh, with different tongues, but they worshiped with one voice to God. And God does not see white. He does not see black. He does not see Latino. He does not see Puerto Rican. All he sees is his children. Amen? And when we understand the gospel... In its full context, we will stop seeing color. Yeah. Hallelujah. Amen. So I felt a strong urge to plant a faith in church uh, in North America. The same thing I felt when we were planting Durban. And I really believe God is going to open some doors for us to train uh, some people that will be able to execute uh, that desire uh, in our hearts. And I believe God is going to do a mighty work uh, in North America. It all starts as an urge and unction. And then, you know, it turns out to be a church. 40, 45 people meeting and gathering to learn about the gospel and the goodness of God. Amen. Uh, we also got an opportunity to preach to a church in Newark. 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 Uh, Renew Church with pastors uh, Andrew and Beatrice. And it was just a phenomenal time. Uh, a few people got healed uh, it was just awesome. It was the simple gospel. Yeah. How many of you know that the gospel is simple? Mm-hmm. It takes a preacher to complicate it. I mean, as we were preaching, I don't know if you remember, there's this woman who was sitting in the second row. She's just crying the whole time. And, you know, my wife and I are preaching and, you know, we're not sophisticated people. We're just presenting the gospel as it is uh, in its simplest form. That's the way Jesus presented it. Jesus didn't try to use physics to teach the gospel. How many of you realize that? Jesus used parables. He used common stories to uh, uh, unlock kingdom mysteries because he wanted the common man to understand it. Because if he had used physics, it would probably have missed some of us. So the gospel is simple. Whenever you see someone trying to complicate it, you're going to step out of the gospel. The gospel is simple, and in its simplicity, the power of God is released. She came to us afterwards, and she said, man, you came all the way for me. In fact, there were about 12 other people who came and gave a testimony that it was a word specifically designed uh, for them. And one of the things that we particularly encountered was a wrong uh, perspective of who God really is. And I believe this is one of the uh, biggest uh, uh, forces against, you know, the word of God and the expansion of the kingdom, a perverted understanding of the true nature of God. How many of you realize that God is a good God? 
Here's one thing, you know, people always ask me, what's your uh, 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 biblical standing? My biblical standing in its simplest form is that God is 100% good. He's good and he's good all the time. And when we, you know, reach out and select people who come and minister to us, it is that fine thread that we are looking out for. Because I know a lot of people who say God is good and is good all the time, but turn around and say God is the one who's bringing all the sufferings so that he can teach them a lesson. How many of you know that it's a contradiction? A huge one. When you have a perverted understanding of the true nature of God, it stops you from fully experiencing who God really is and the promises of the kingdom of God. God is good and he is good all the time. God is not trying to teach you through suffering. God does not teach his children through persecutions. Man, it's amazing how much of the body of Christ believe this. It is sad. Because here's the deal. If God was out to get you, you may as well quit. You may as well turn in your guns. Because guess what? You're not going to win against God. But how many of you know that God is a good God? And God is for us, not against us. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let's go to James chapter number 1 verse 17. Thank you, Jesus. Man, we prophesied at the beginning of the year that things were going to move faster than we anticipated. How many of you remember Amos chapter number 9 verse 13? says things are going to move fast. Your head will spin. You remember? It says one thing at the foot of the other. Man, things are moving fast. Our heads are spinning. Watch what it says in James chapter number 1 verse 17. It says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the father of lights with whom there is no variableness neither shadow of turning what is he saying god is good and is good all the time man there's some big preachers that i avoid because they haven't caught this revelation there are a lot of preachers who would have been my favorite preachers But because of this uh, 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 moral compass, doctrinal compass, I can't listen to them. Because if God is the one training you through persecutions, you won't find that in scripture. The Bible says every good and perfect gift comes from above. From the father of lights who is not schizophrenic. Who doesn't give good and bad and everything in between? God is good and is good all the time. Let's go to John chapter number 10 verse 10. I'm hoping to fix this before we leave today. Amen. Some of you are going to leave Johannesburg to go to a different city. You're going to be praying for a church. Here's how you find a church. Listen, if they believe God is good 100%. Or God is using persecution to teach them a lesson. If he is, run. Amen. Watch what it says in John 10 verse 10. The thief does not come except to do what? (laughs) Who, Who might be the thief? I didn't hear that. Come on, preach with me. Satan. It says Satan, the thief, the devil... Comes to do three things. Number one, to what? So if there's stealing in your life going on, who might that be? If there's someone out to steal your health, who might that be? If there's someone out to steal your finances, who might that be? But I remember going to a church and the preacher got up and he said, you know, if you don't give God your tithe, he would take it through doctor's bills. That's not God. Man, God is not a mob boss. Man, this is good preaching. God is not a more boss. God is for you. The Bible says it everywhere through scripture. God is for you and not against you. He says, the devil comes to steal, to kill. Man, if your relationships are dying, it's not God. He comes to kill and to do what? And then he flips it. He says, I, who, who might be I? 
I didn't hear that. Man, this is awesome. If you don't get anything else in scripture, this one is the simplest verse you can ever get. He says, I, Jesus, have come that they may have what? Life. And have it how? More abundantly. Please give it to me in the Amplified Bible. The thief comes only in order to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have and what? Man, they didn't tell me this in the church I grew up in. 21 years I invested. They didn't tell me that Jesus had a plan for me to E-N-J-O-A. L-I-A-L-I-L-L-I-F-E. L-G, right? Life's good. No, it's not going to work. Enjoy life. He says, I mean, did you read it? Who's talking? This is not Tafara. This is Jesus. Jesus is saying, I came that they may have and enjoy life. Jesus came so that you and I may enjoy life right now. They told me that this one that we are living right now was going to be tough. They told me it was going to be hard. But they gave me a promise for the future. That don't worry. Just hold on. It will get better. One day when we get to the sweet by and by. When we meet uh, James, John and uh, uh, Andrew and Bartolomeos and all the boys. And we will enjoy with the Lord. But right now it's going to be tough. That's not what Jesus is saying. Jesus is saying I came. I paid for it. Now you take a hold of it. I came that they might have and enjoy life. Man, Christianity, he wants you to enjoy your Christianity. Christianity is not a hold on. Just hold on. Just suffering for Jesus. That's not what it is. That's religion. It's not Christianity. Christianity is defined here. John 10 verse 10. I came that they may have, enjoy life, and have it in what? Abundance to the full. Till it Overflows. Jesus is saying, man, I came and I paid it all. Now you can take a hold of it and enjoy it. So, if you want to assess your life, if you want to have a benchmark, just look at what's happening in your life. If it's to give you life and life in abundance, it's for Jesus. If it's to take away life, it's not coming from Jesus. Amen? Let us go to John, uh, Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3. Man, I know I'm fixing your moral, doctrinal compass. And it needs to be fixed. You know why? Because if you don't fix it, there's some little sneaky things that preachers throw in. That, you know, just kind of tell you and render you uh, uh, helpless. I mean, you know, if it's God training you through these persecutions, what are you going to do about it? What are you going to do to reverse what God is doing in your life? What are you going to do about it? In fact, someone said, uh, Mashi, to the people who believe this, he said, man, if some of these people who believe this come to you and they want to borrow some money, just tell them, dude, I'm not going to interrupt with what God is doing in your life. I'm not going to give you anything. I'm not going to rescue you. You know what? Because you believe it's God, right? You believe it's coming from God. In fact, it comes from a perverted understanding of the sovereignty of God. God is sovereign, but sovereignty does not mean omni-control. It doesn't mean we are pawns in a chase game and God is just moving us whichever way you want. A sovereign means God, no one tells him what to do. And for sure, no one tells him what to do. But he has given you and I free will, the freedom to choose either good or bad. And when we choose, God lets us have it. Man, this is awesome. Watch what it says in uh, Hebrews chapter number 1 verse 3. Talking about Jesus. He says, who being the brightness of his glory. Jesus is the brightness of God's glory. And the express image of his person. And upholding all things by the word of his power. When he had by himself purged our sins. Sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. Could you please give it to me in the Amplified Bible? Hebrews 1 Verse 3. Watch what it says. Talking about Jesus again. It says he is the sole expression of the glory of God. The light being the outraying or radiance of the divine. 
He is the perfect imprint, the very, someone say very. In other words, if you have seen Jesus, you have seen the Father. He says he is the very image of God's nature. At what point in Jesus' ministry do you see him throw challenges at people to teach them a lesson? And he had several opportunities. Remember the woman at the well in John chapter number 4? Five husbands. Not one, not two, not three, not four. Five. And none of all those five were hers. Perfect opportunity to strike her with something and teach her a lesson, right? Leprosy or something or lightning or something. If God is who we think he is, he doesn't do that. What does he do? He showers her with love and grace. And what happened? She it turned her life around. What does the Bible say in Romans chapter number 2 verse 4? It is the goodness of God that will lead men to repentance. It is when we catch that revelation that God is 100% good. That it brings a turnaround of our lives. Man, I'm telling you, at your hearts of hearts, you have a philosophy. And if your philosophy is not based on a God who is a good, good father, you will never tap into the fullness of what God has for you. Oh, not only that, you'll accept everything that Satan throws your way. You won't fight. In case you, you know, punch God the Father. Because you you just don't know whether this sickness is coming from God or, you know, it's coming from Satan. So you're not going to swing hard. You, You know, you just, yeah, I don't know whether it's from God. But when you know it's coming from the devil, you will rebuke it. When you know poverty is coming from the devil, you do something about it. You rebuke it. When you know sickness on your children is coming from the devil, man, you lay hands and tell that thing to go where it came from. It builds your faith. It stirs up your faith. It makes you aggressive. Bulldog faith. It makes you aggressive in your faith. But when you believe in your heart that, you know, sometimes God is... You know, you know, no, the Bible says he's the express. God is the express image. Jesus is the express image of the Father. Amen. Let's go to John chapter number 15. We're just trying to fix your compass so you can land in the right place. Thank you, Jesus. John chapter number 15. I'm going to read from verse 1 to 3. This is Jesus speaking. He says, I am the true vine. And my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes. Someone say pruning. Pruning. That it may bear more fruit. Did you see it? This is one of the most misunderstood scriptures in the entire Bible. The first word we need to define is found in verse 2. In fact, it's a phrase uh, takes away. If you look that phrase up in the Greek, it's the word arrow, which means to lift up. Someone say lift up. What would happen back in the day, and some of you would know this if you've ever been in a, in a, in a vineyard, in a vineyard, whichever way you pronounce it, uh, they, because vines have uh, weak stems, they put them on trusses. And every now and again, you know, the vine would fall off the truss and go to the ground. And the vine dresser would walk through the vineyard and pick those vines up. And that's where we get this word arrow. The phrase taketh away means to pick up. It doesn't, it does not mean to break away. Because if you break it away, you're not going to get fruit anyway. It's just going to shrivel up and die. It doesn't make scientific sense. Hallelujah. So he says, Every fruit, every branch that does not bear fruit, he lifts up, put it back on the trusses. And here's the second word, kateros, which is pruned. Man, this word has caused so much commotion. What are you doing? The Lord is pruning me. (laughs) My people who make the craziest decisions. Asani was here last week. People who make the craziest decisions and get together with people that they have no business getting together with and then they are hurt in the process and the Lord is pruning. No, the Lord he ain't pruning nothing. 
You had no business getting together with that person. It's just a bad choice. Have you ever noticed how people make bad choices and try to sprinkle God all over it? Just say, oh, you know, and the Lord said, and just, you know, just. <laughs> it wasn't the Lord. It was foolishness. That word, prunes, is the Greek word kateros. Which means to clean. So what is he saying? After he has lifted up these branches, he would clean them. The vine dresser would go around cleaning them. And watch what happens in the next verse. Man, it's about to blow your mind if you're paying attention. You are already clean. It's the same word, kateros. You are already pruned because of the life challenges. Is that what he said? You are already clean because of the sickness I put on you. You are already clean because of the financial challenges I gave you. What does he say? You are already clean because of the... I didn't hear that. God teaches his children through the word. Man, this is awesome. It's so simple... Yet, many, many, many people misunderstand this. Man, I remember when I got a hold of Christianity, man, we would spend time studying the horn on the uh, uh, throne of Nebuchadnezzar to see what it represented. Man, we'd get into numerology. What is the number three? And people, what are you doing? We're being deep. And boy, I'm telling you, we were being deep. Getting defeated out in the streets. Man, I was losing in my relationships. I was losing in my finances. I was losing in my schoolwork in college. Man, I was, I was on a losing streak. Yet I was a believer who was deep. Man, I could teach on the end time things. Triple six and who the beast is and uh, uh, what's that thing with the, with the rappers? Illuminati. I, mean, I, I, I was watching all them documentaries being deep and losing the battle of life. You know why? Because the gospel is simple. You don't need to be deep. You just need to understand it and start winning. Man, now I win. And it feels good to win. <laughs> For a change, now I'm kicking life on the backside. And it feels good to win in your marriage. Man, you know what it feels like? To have 366 days on a leap year and not a single argument. Just all sweet and good, good loving. Man, it feels good. (laughs) But it comes when you understand that when your wife says jump, you say? Very high. How high? To the sky. Man, you got to understand. There has to be some understanding, right? Man, I'm telling you, it comes through understanding. It comes through understanding of how relationships work. It comes through understanding of empathy. It comes through understanding that the fruit of the Spirit, more than being studied, you must let it flow out of you. Man, some of you can recite the fruit of the Spirit. How about letting it flow out of you? Patience, long-suffering, gentleness. Oh, okay, let's see it in your life. Because that's where it matters. Some of you can exegete the fruit of the Spirit. That's not what matters. What matters is, are you walking in it? In fact, I made a decision as I was coming into the ministry that I'm not, it, it doesn't make it, you know, untrue if I teach on it. I just made it as a personal standard that I won't teach on something that I haven't experienced yet. It's a personal standard. I want to walk in it first. I want to see that it works. Then I can teach it to someone else with confidence and a conviction, a personal conviction. It's a personal standard. Because it wouldn't make sense for me to, you know, start teaching stuff. How does it work? I don't know. Have you experienced it? Oh, well, you know, no. It has to work. Amen? And this is who God is. He wants to clean you. He wants to direct your life through his word. Not through life circumstances. So when circumstances happen in your life that are contrary to God's word, know that it's not coming from God. It may be coming from your foolishness. It may be coming from nature. It may be coming from uh, Satan. It may come from anywhere else except God. That means you can fix it. You can fight it. You can tap into the promises of God and stand against it. Can I get an amen? Amen. Let us go now to Romans chapter number 12 verse 2. You need to renew your mind to this. And this is the message that God has given us for the world. 
And it's simple. Man, I've had the opportunity to travel all over the world and I've seen so many things. I've seen people operate in different kinds of ministries and I look at it, oh, man, that's awesome. Ooh, that is beautiful. But the only thing that tempts me to continue is what God has put in front of me. That's the only thing that gets me excited. That's the only thing that really matters. You know why? Because after it's all said and done, I have to stand before the man and give a report based on what he has called me to do. He has called me to teach a word that brings transformation so that people can engage and repeat. So Romans 12, 2 has been a foundational scripture for us. And man, this thing is so simple. I got a call uh, two days ago from uh, Caris Bible College and it just blessed my heart. And uh, this was the dean of students and he said to me, we just finished listening to one of your sermons. Man, they have no business. You know, I have no PhD. I have no, you know, I'm not one of them top dogs, you know, lecturer. In fact, most of the uh, 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 lecturers at Kairis are above 60. I mean, these, these, are, these are like, you know, guys who are in the, the higher echelon of Christianity. These are top dogs. I have no business students listening to my sermons. But here's, the, here's what happens when you stay in your lane. You become a master of what God has called you to do. Don't try to be someone else. Man, find out what God has called you to do and stick with it. Oh, man, people are going to throw you several things. I mean, doctor, she was telling me she's studying to be a doctor so she can take care of the heart. Just one thing on the body, just the heart. And some of you have great ideas about how she should be taking care of teeth. (laughs) But it just so happens that she has studied to look after the heart. Some of you will get annoyed that she doesn't do children. She's been, she's been studying five years to look after the heart. It's the same thing. God has called me to teach transformation and the true nature of God so that people can start thinking right and have the right perspective of who God is and when they do, it will produce fruit. And we've been seeing a lot of fruit. Romans chapter number 12 verse 2. And he says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be ye what? I didn't hear that. I did not hear that. Come on, preach with me. He says, don't be conformed. Don't be poured into the mold. Don't be poured into an old, worldly-based way of thinking of this world. You know, I remember reading this when I was in high school. I used to think he's talking about, you know, fashion and fairs. And he's saying, don't be conformed to this world. And I used to tell him, oh man, you can't dress like the world. That's not even remotely close to what he's talking about. He's talking about a system of thinking that contradicts a kingdom's way of thinking. He's saying, don't be poured into a system of thinking that is based on the world and what the world has to say. But, someone say but. Hey, you got to know where to put the but, man, I'm telling you. But be transformed, be that. Notice he didn't give it as a suggestion. He didn't say, man, it would be a nice idea for you to be transformed. He says, be transformed, be that. Be changed. That word transformed uh, is the Greek word metamorpho, where we get the English word metamorphosis, analogy, caterpillar, transforming into a butterfly. From a creature that's in the ground, in the dirt, in the soil, eating in the dirt. In fact, a caterpillar is a blind creature. That possesses in, in itself uh, chemicals that can make humans blind. Sure. Not only is it blind itself, it can make others blind. Remember what Jesus said? Can the blind lead the blind? What's the answer to that? Yes, but they will fall into a ditch. <laughs> Jesus said, yes, the blind can lead the blind, but they will fall into a ditch. So, he's saying transformation, caterpillar, creature, stuck in the dirt, blind, transformation into a butterfly, beautiful creature, colorful, enjoying a sunny day, eating off of flower petals with ultra vision. Radical transformation. In fact, when they told me uh, as a young man that, you know, this 
butterfly used to be a caterpillar. I told them they were lying because the transformation is just so radical. There is no way you can fit a butterfly into a caterpillar. It's radical transformation. And this transformation is available for every single one of God's children. God has called you to live a transformed lives where your life in the kingdom of God will look different than your previous life, than your former life. People will swear you never went through a divorce. People who swear you were never poor. Yeah, that's right. People who swear you never went through what you went through after this transformation has finished taking effect in you. And I'm so glad he tells us how this transformation comes. Be transformed by praying 40 days and 40 nights. <laughs> Come on, read with me. Is that what he said? No. He said, be transformed by buying the transformation bumper sticker. So what he said? Be transformed by getting the transformation oil. Transformation anointing oil. Or the bracelet. Transformation bracelet. Faith Hill. Transformation bracelet. You just wear it and, ooh, who's that guy? (laughs) He didn't say that. He says, be transformed how? I didn't hear that. See, man, the church has gathered around an emotional frenzy for a very long time. We like to come together, sing the fast songs, get into the slow ones, get a goosebump, get excitement, but that's not going to produce any fruit. Remember, Mark chapter number 4, verse 19, he says one of the grounds with the thorns and thistles received the word with gladness. It's not like they didn't like the word. They received it with gladness, but gladness is just an emotion. Hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah, pastor, yeah. I receive it. But that's, so what? It says when the persecutions, the cares of this world, the deceitfulness of riches came, choked the word. Why? Because it didn't have a root system. What makes the word produce fruit is a root system. How does it come? You need to have a different philosophy in your mind that is word-based. Amen? Amen. Man, this is awesome. If you can get a hold of this, you can change your life forever. See, be transformed by changing the way you think. It's the same message that Jesus preached when he walked the earth for the first time. He said, repent. That word repent, again, metanoia, re, which means to do again, pent, where we get penthouse, go back to the top, go back to my ways, which are higher than your ways, my thoughts, which are higher than your thoughts, and you will produce the high life. But we don't want that. Go and pass the lands on me so I can be transformed. No, he says you're going to have to change the way you think. You're going to have to change the way you think. You're going to have to start thinking in line with God's word. This is why we build in this church line upon line, precept upon precept. This is why we break complex issues and make them basic, simple, so that when you read it, you can fully understand. And not only that, you can walk out of here with something to act on. I used to go to church and walk out if the pastor was deep. What did he say? Ooh. I'll be like, man, the, the sermon today was deep. Oh, man, he was deep. What did he say? <laughs> oh, no, I, you know, I, you know. <laughs> don't, don't worry about what he said. He sweated, though, and he pushed hard. He whooped and he hollered. He sang the whole sermon. He exegized it. <laughs> what did he say? Oh, I don't remember nothing. Man, God wants you to know. That this is the way to tap into transformation. In fact, this word transformation, same word that was used when Jesus was transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. He says his face began to shine as the sun and his clothes became white as uh, his raiment became white as light. There was a transformation that took place on the Mount of Transfiguration. And here the Bible shows us how it can happen to you. Man, you can be transfigured, transformed. To a place where your new life does not look anything like your old life. That's awesome. And this is for every single child of God. Amen. And I was sharing my testimony in New York and telling them that I grew up in a three-roomed house. 
And they couldn't believe it. They said, no, you're lying. You're lying through your teeth. I said, yeah, I grew up in a three-roomed house. Used to sleep under the kitchen table. I didn't say three-bedroom, three-roomed in Bizo, Section 5. See, they didn't even... See, I grew up in a poor area. They didn't even take time out to name it properly. Yeah. <laughs> they just said Section 5. So there was Section 1, Section 2, Section... Just Section 5. I mean, you could have found a name somewhere... One of the legends from the area. And call us something with a name. But we were a statistic. That's how poor the area was. He had no chance in life. Until someone told me, oh, there's a thing called changing the way you think. That will change your entire life. I said, is that for me? They said, it's for you. I said, are you sure? Is it not just for white people? They said, no, it's for you. Are you sure it's not just for people with a master's degree? No, it's for you. Are you sure it's not just for, you know, people from Zimbabwe? They said, it's for you. It's the greatest day of my life. And I started tapping into it. And it's transformed my life forever. Man, I'm telling you, these truths can transform your life forever. Amen? Amen. He said, be transformed by the renewing of your mind, by changing the way you think, so that you may prove. That word prove means manifest. See, when your mind is transformed, you can manifest what is the good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Again, we see that the will of God is always good. Is sickness good? So it's not part of the will of God. Acceptable and perfect. You can manifest the will of God. You can taste with your own taste buds and see that the Lord is good when you begin to change the way you think. And I'm not just preaching hope. Man, I'm giving you something, a principle from God's word that can change your life forever. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Let us go now to Romans chapter number 8 verse 6 as we close. Thank you, Jesus. Is this good so far? Someone shout, my mind is alert. alert. Remember what Hosea said in Hosea 4 verse 6? Let's read Hosea 4 verse 6 before we read Romans. I want you to see it. I could have quoted it, but I want you to see it. He says, my people. Whose people? That's what's so awesome about this scripture. He didn't say the unbelievers. He said, my people, my own kids are destroyed. Hey, first of all, God accepts that his kids are being destroyed. His kids are dying. His kids are perishing. And he tells you why they're perishing. He says, my people are destroyed for a lack of... Notice he didn't say my people are destroyed for a lack of inspiration. Ooh, that's a good one. He didn't say my people are destroyed. Inspiration is great, but it's not going to sustain you. You're going to make it. I said you're going to make it. Yes, yeah. Oh, yeah. Man, you go out there pumped up. I'm going to make it. But how are you going to make it? How does this thing work? My people are destroyed because they don't know. A lack of information. Because you have rejected knowledge. And man, they reject knowledge all the time. You know why? Because the hardest thing about being a teacher is we take complex matters and make it simple and use simple English. People don't like that stuff. People like big words. People like big presentations. People like the big stuff. People like, you know, and in that process, they reject knowledge. And it says because you have rejected knowledge... I will also reject you from being a priest for me. Because you have forgotten the law of God, I will forget your children. People are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. People are destroyed because they don't know. Watch what he says in Romans 8 verse 6. Man, this is good stuff. Romans chapter number 8 verse 6. I know we have a lot of math geniuses here. And I'm going to ask you to be alert now so you can help me with this verse. Watch what it says. It says in verse 6, For to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is what? Life and peace. I want us to try and attempt. I want us to attempt and come to come up with uh, two equations from this verse. What would be our first equation? 
Carnal mindedness equals? I didn't hear that. That is plain. This is plain. Man, you could be carnal. You could be a carnal prayer warrior. <laughs> Man, just because you're doing spiritual things does not mean you're getting rid of the carnal. I'll tell you what. I was a carnal Christian for a long time. My wife and I would get together and read the Sunday Times every Sunday. And by about 8 p.m., we're still dating, would read the Sunday Times sitting here at Kitchen Bar. That was our first date restaurant. So we used to go there often. We'd sit there and just read that thing. Man, we'd read it all the time from the front to the back. By the time we, you know, uh, split up to go home so we can watch uh, Cut Blanche, man, you're tired. You, you're walking like this. You're just, yeah, uh, you're dragging. Not looking forward to Monday. What is I doing? What is the newspaper doing to me? It was making me kind of in my thinking. Carnal mindedness simply means based on the five senses. And here he's saying to be carnally minded produces death. And by death he's not talking about ceasing to exist. He's talking about everything that resulted as a, 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 everything that came into being as a result of the disconnection from God even in the Garden of Eden. Stress is a form of death. Poverty is a form of death. Sickness is a form of death. Worry is a form of death. And he says it all comes when we are carnally minded. And carnal mindedness is not just sin mindedness. Those sin mindedness is included. Carnal mindedness is figuring everything out based on your five senses. And here he's saying it produces death. And he flips it. Here's another equation. Spiritually mindedness equals? <laughs> Which equation is better? <laughs> I didn't hear that. Some of you are still trying to figure that out. No, I'll, I'll take the second equation easily. Spiritually mindedness equals what? Life. How many of you want life? And by life is the Greek word zoe, the God kind of abundant living. Nothing missing and nothing broken. Everything that Jesus paid for on the cross begins to flow. See, prosperity is not some idea that some, you know, comfort hungry uh, preacher from America came up with. Prosperity was paid for at the cross. It is a part of the redemption. And you can take advantage of it. He says to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is what? Life. life. Yep. Man, if you're not seeing peace in your life, you need to check your thought life. The cousin to this, Isaiah 26 verse 3, you shall keep him in perfect peace whose is stayed on them because he puts his trust in you. Man, it all comes from your mind. <coughs> yeah. So don't neglect to look after your mind. Let's go to Proverbs 4 verse 3. Listen, thinking in line with God's word is tremendous results. Not being religious. Thinking in line with God's word. And there's a difference. Man, I was a, I was a religious freak for a long time. But I didn't take care of my mind. How many of you know that the highest level of spiritual warfare you'll ever encounter actually takes place in your mind? Yeah, that's in the Garden of Eden. What did the serpent do? In fact, the Bible says, you know, how many of you realize Satan could have possessed an elephant? Yeah. And just go there to Eve and put, you know, one of his big foot on Eve's head and say, eat, eat this foot, shove it down her throat. Yeah. He didn't do that. The Bible says he possessed a snake because it was one of the most subtle creatures in the garden. And what did the snake do? It went to Eve and said, did God say? What did it do? It dropped air, thought, idea, and suggestion. Man, I'm telling you, every time you get a thought, an idea, and a suggestion that is contrary to God's word, spiritual warfare has begun. So some of you are waiting for the throwing up and the manifestation and the barking and all that stuff doesn't matter. When a thought gets dropped into your mind that's contrary to God's word, you're already in full-blown spiritual warfare. Yeah. Either you submit to it or you reject it. Man, this is good preaching. I like it myself. My spiritual warfare goes, goes, goes on in your mind. And it's one of the hardest warfares you'll ever fight. Because sometimes it sounds like a brilliant idea. Why don't we give up on this? It's just not working. 
Why don't we quit on God? Because if he was real, he would have showed up by now. I mean, this dude is saying you should pick up your stick and strike the Red Sea. How dumb is that? And then you're just standing there by the Red Sea. And there you have the solution. God has already said, strike that thing, man. Strike it. And there's another voice that's saying, that's stupid. That's dumb. What you going to do? Are you going to go with God's voice or are you going to go with Satan's voice? Watch what it says in Proverbs uh, chapter number 4, verse 23. Keep, or guard, your heart. That word heart, again, is a similar word to mind. Keep your heart with all diligence, for out of it spring the what? That word issues uh, is the Greek word, is the Hebrew word for limitations. He's saying guard your heart with all diligence, Because the limitations of what you can do with your life do not come from the government. Listen, if we were waiting on the government to plant a church in North America, they would probably tell us no. Can I get an amen? Man, he says the issues of life spring forth from your heart. You know, when you tell yourself you can't do it, you are 100% right. Because the limitations of life spring forth from the heart. Man, if I can change the way you think, I can change your life. Amen? Man, I'm telling you, if I can change the way you think, I can change your life. Today, I want to encourage you to start taking stock of every thought That is presented to you. And sometimes I have to change uh, television stations, even on Christian network. When I hear the preacher, he may be a a, a famous preacher, one of the best things uh, uh, in the Christian world today. But when I hear them go off on a tangent talking about persecutions coming from God, man, I'm switching the channel. I don't need to put that junk in my heart. I know the true nature of God is God is good and is good all the time. I don't need to put that junk in my heart and I'm switching the channel. You know why? Because I've learned that whatever I put in my heart will come out in my life. In fact, your life is a representation of what you think continuously all the time. Someone say, ouch. Man, you can fix that. That's the good part. You can fix that today. You can start being careful of the thoughts that you receive. We had an acronym. Some of us who learned computers in the 90s, that said GIGA. Remember the acronym? What did it say? Garbage in. Whatever you put in will. It's the same thing. It's a technology of God's word. Whatever you put in, I can listen. If you're putting in scandal, is that what it's called? That soapy? If you're putting in scandal... I can guarantee you. I can guarantee you. If you're putting in drama on the inside of you, man, I can guarantee you. And some of you, unfortunately, I'm not saying this to condemn you, but I'm trying to help you. Some of you have positioned yourself to become garbage cans, better known as a bean. You know, whenever it's a tea break at work, man, you go and you open yourself up to all kinds of things that are contrary to God's word. All kinds of limitations. And you look around and you wonder, why is my money not enough? Why is my health tripping? Why do my relationships not work? Man, you're opening yourself up to all kinds of stuff. And as the acronym go, garbage in. Man, you need to guard your heart. And only put treasure. Luke 6, verse 45. A good man, out of the good treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is. An evil man, out of the evil treasure of his heart, brings forth that which is evil. And from the abundance of the heart, his mouth will. Man, your mouth will surprise you. Where did that come from? <laughs> 
You've got to choose carefully what you put in your heart. And I'm telling you, as you do, it will change the way you speak. You want to know about someone? Take them out for lunch. As you eat, as the Nando starts kicking in at about 10 minutes, and they'll start talking. They'll start talking. They'll start tripping. They'll start talking. You'll be like, oh my goodness, pastor, is that what's in your heart? Listen to the words. Some people who are just critical. There's some people who are just critical. Man, you haven't even finished making coffee for them, dude. They're already critical about today's service. They're already critical about, you know, someone at church wearing their nice vans. They're just critical. Why? Because that's what they've opened themselves up to. The world of criticism. And guess what? That's what they receive. Everybody's critical about them. Why do everybody criticize me? Because that's what's in your heart. Man, you can fix that. Someone shout today. I make a decision to not be a trash can. To not be a garbage can. To not be a bean. Someone shout, I'm not a bean. My heart is a treasure chest for the promises of God. My heart is a treasure chest for the word of God. My heart is a treasure chest for life and not death. In Jesus' name, amen. Why don't you stand on your feet? Was that good? Man, you can fix that. I'm telling you, we still have three more months, three more months in the year. (laughs) Start changing the way you think. I'm telling you, by Christmas, we'll be celebrating a different life. We'll be celebrating the butterfly life. By the new year, you don't have to wait into the new year to fix this. You can fix this right now. Someone shout today, I'm making a decision to be careful about the words that I listen to. I will check every report that comes to me. Every phone call that comes to me. Whether it carries life or death. How many of you know that you don't have to be rude? And just say, I'll call you back. Me mean about it, and you know what happened with cousin such a you know, Auntie Tando. You know, she, she's dating this guy, and then that other guy found hey, listen, I'll call you back. Nobody got time for that. Man, I'm telling you, your heart was not built to receive that kind of news. I'll call you back. It's a Christian way of saying, I don't want to talk to you. <laughs> And if it's on text, you can remove the blue tick just for them. (laughs) Just for them. It stays on one tick. They never know that you read that message. Open yourself up to all kinds of stuff, man. This is a matter of life and death. You realize that, right? It's a matter of life and death. What you produce comes straight out of your heart. We love you. God bless you. And remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. For we walk by faith and not by sight. That's